0: Hi everyone, this is Klaatu, and this is episode 10 of season 12 of the GNU World Order. In this episode I want to talk about something that I was messing around with recently and I forget oh it was on the slackbuilds.org mailing list. Someone had sent some kind of message saying hey there ought to be a tool that can install from either source code or from binary. And 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 I guess they meant like a unified tool or something like that. I'm not really sure what the what what was being suggested or or were bandied about but but one of the responses was there is already package source from netbsd it works on slackware why reinvent the wheel that's almost verbatim to the to the message so i thought you know what i've i've heard about this package source thing before and it's it's always been in the context of well, it, being net BSD based, it, it it tended to be in the context of oh my gosh, it'll run on anything, which is great. I mean, that is uh fantastic, you know, that's that's the ideal, I think. That's the that is the the thing that we all strive for. So, that's cool, but what does it really mean to run on on anything? And and that's always kind of that that's the question, right? I mean, everything on on within POSIX will run it is portable, right? It's a portable operating system. It's great. It'll run on anything. And then you actually try that and it's a little bit more complex. So I thought, you know what, I should spin up Slackware in a virtual machine. See what happens if I try to install package source and install a couple of packages from package sort. I figured it was probably going to be a weekend project. It turned out to be one of the quickest experiments I think I've ever attempted. Uh, I mean, of anything subst- substantial, you know. I mean, I've, I've I've, tried the arch command, for instance. That was a pretty quick experiment. But, I mean, in terms of something that I, I, I really had sort of anticipated, okay, this is going to be a weekend project for me, it, it turned out to be... Uh, I can't even say it's an evening project. I mean, it was just something so fast. So let's just get into it. Okay, so to put package source onto a computer... Here's what you do and you can do you could do this in a variety of different ways but but we'll we'll do it sort of the the official uh, netBSD way, I guess uh, and or we'll treat it like like a BSD. So you can just whatever system you want really I'm using Slackware you can I, Im- I imagine you can use anything. but on on Slackware you can just go you become root. And then you go to uh, you go to the slash usr directory, and that's assuming that you wanted to do this here. But but that is traditionally the place for ports is slash usr. So it's kind of it, there's a precedence. So you can wget ftp colon slash slash ftp dot netbsd dot org slash pub slash pkgsrc slash current, slash pkgsrc.tar.gz, and you hit return, and then it, it it grabs the latest version of package source. So while it's doing that, let's talk briefly about what exactly package source is. Um, and why not, when when talking about package source, why not go to the source, um, which is package, packagesource.org. So package source calls itself the portable package build system package source is a framework for building third-party software on netbsd and other unix-like systems currently containing over seventeen thousand packages it is used to enable freely available software to be configured and built easily on supported platforms Binary packages that are produced by package source can be used without having to compile everything from source. NetBSD already contains the necessary tools for managing binary packages on other platforms. You need to bootstrap package source to get the package management tools installed. Okay? That's what package source is. So in other words, if you just if you have no idea, then package source pkgsrc is essentially like A apt or a yum or dnf or or zipper you know it's it's a package manager but it was built for netbsd and it's built to be portable and in theory it should work on pretty much any unix like system why would you want to do that you you might not want to i mean there's i'm not I'm not 100% sure that there's a huge advantage just to switching to package source. I, I I did it as a novelty because um, I figured, why not? It would be fun to try. I've not been using it for weeks upon weeks. It, it was it was truly a novelty. I tried a couple of builds. They all worked. I was happy, and I kind of stopped, stopped bothering because I've got Slack builds. I've got slackbuilds.org, a bunch of scripts, tailor-made for Slackware. It just kind of makes sense to me. That said, package source is kind of neat. Um, it's it's a pretty nice little package system that's been around for a long time. It's well respected, as they say. Lots of people do use it, and um, and the fact that you can use it on several systems is kind of cool. It's pretty raw in terms of package management. I mean, like if you're used to if you're used to something running on you know Ubuntu with a nice little storefront and and Lots of GUI tools and things like that. It's not. This is not what you're going to get with Package Source. Package Source is very much like the FreeBSD port system. It feels exactly the same to me, at least. There, I'm sure there are several significant differences, but in terms of, like, just sort of from zero to to sixty, getting it running, it's very much like ports. So, it's it's a build system is what it is and you don't need it but you could use it and it could be a it could be something to look at if you're looking for an alternative i i don't know why you would be looking for an alternative uh you know like why would you need to use package source instead of whatever came on your system i don't know um but what if you didn't have something on your system i mean that seems unlikely but what if you're doing a linux from scratch build and you think to yourself you know i really ought to I, to, I, I should be using some kind of packaging system because otherwise I'm going to have to rebuild this from scratch whenever I want to. Whenever I want to, uh, to to update my system, so package source is 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 one way that you could do that. You could use package source to kind of keep your system up to date with stuff. Now package source is it is its own uh, sort of self-contained system so when when if you were to actually switch to package source you would probably want to kind of integrate it as deep within your os as you feel uh feasible or 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 sensible in other words a lot of the things online when when talking about switching to package source as your package manager they very frequently recommend a minimal install of your of your base os because otherwise when you when you install some package package source is going to look at its own internal database to see whether you have installed some kind of dependency like perl let's say chances are perl is on your system already but if package source References, references its database and does not see that it has ever installed Perl on your system, and it is now trying to install something that requires Perl. It's going to install Perl, and so you you could very well, very easily have two Perls now on your system. Which I mean, that's not a disaster, but it, it it is a little bit sloppy, and it could it could cause you trouble eventually if you if you started, you know, if you if you're expanding the if you're if you're writing a plugin for for the pa- that package that's using the Perl from package source and you're writing it based on the Perl that's local on your system and you don't realize that there's two involved and you know it, it could be it could become a problem feasibly so you would you would want to you'd want to do your homework and find out the the, the best and smartest way to, to implement this but if you just want to try it which is all I wanted to do then you've you've w gotten the package source dot tar dot from the netbsd.org slash pub slash pkg source slash current slash pkg dot tar dot gz. And then you can untar it, so tar x v f package source dot tar dot gz and that expands the it unarchives the whole the whole tar archive into slash USR slash PKG sRC is the default name of the of its of its parent directory to get it running on yeah you know, outside of netBSD you need to do the bootstrap remember the the website said package source.org said um, in order to get the package management tools running you need to bootstrap pkg Uh bootstrapping it is uh, quite simple you cd into slash usr slash pkgsrc slash bootstrap and then you do a dot slash bootstrap pretty simple really um, so you execute bootstrap and it does uh, quite a long check of what's on your system and what it can compile against and things like that and then it 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 compiles a bunch of tool the, the tool chain that it wants to to have available to it. Now, while that's happening, and it, and that does take a while, at least it did on my on my virtual machine running on my laptop. Um, once you have all that going, you can adjust a couple of important important variables that you will need to have in place. So, first of all, you're going to want to add to your path slash USR slash PKG slash bin and slash USR slash PKG sl- slash S bin. So if you've ever used NetBSD and I do not not locally, I have a server account on a NetBSD box. If you've ever used it, you'll know that it's version I guess of slash USR slash local slash bin for instance is slash usr slash pkg slash bin i mean that's not literally its version of the of usr local but that's functionally for me that's that's what it is it's usr pkg is kind of like well the packages that we've installed from package source really i mean it's pretty simple but but i think of it as a usr slash local so you want to make your your path whatever your path is now and then append to that the USR package bin and USR package sbin. The way you do that dynamically is you just type in export space path, path is all capitals, and then you say equal, and then you do dollar sign path, again all capitals, and then you slash USR slash pkg slash bin, and then colon again, slash USR slash pkg slash sbin, and that exports the vari- your your path variable as... As whatever the path variable already was, with these two new entries at the end. Now you probably don't want to do that just once. I mean, you'd, if you're going to run package source, you would want this to be true all the time. So you would want to take that line that you just typed, and instead of actually executing it, running it, you'd want to append. Op- you'd want to put it into your .bashrc file or your .bash uh, profile. File, so you can do that by just doing an echo quote export path blah 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 quote close quote redirect redirect tilde slash bash under uh, bash rc or dot bash um, underscore profile whichever one you want to use, so that that adjusts your path accordingly, and you also want to adjust your man path because that's going to be pretty much the same thing, so. Same deal, except export manpath equals dollar sign manpath colon slash usr slash pkg slash man, and that'll that'll make sure that your docs are available to you. Okay, so now we'll assume that our bootstrap has finished, and on, on Slackware certainly it'll just finish. I mean, there there I could con, I could imagine on some platforms you would have to install some extra development things or something like that. I don't know on Slackware it, it all just kind of works because it's all included it's all in the box so not not really that complex but but you know if it stops if it if it fails to bootstrap just read the error message find out what it was missing find out what provides that missing thing and then install that and then continue and then it might fail again in which case read the error messages see what it thinks it's missing Install whatever it's missing, and then keep going. Um, I can think probably. I I would imagine, for instance, on like Ubuntu or something, it would be, for instance, uh, bootstrap failed uh, compiler, no no valid compiler in path or something like that, and then you would know. Oh, I need to do an apt install of, uh, you know, GCC or binutil or or whatever whatever. Whatever it's called in in the Ubuntu world for the compiler, um, and and then there will be several other things after that. I, get, I almost guarantee so stuff will be missing, but you just you just knock it out. You you find out what it's what it what it failed to find, and then you do maybe an internet search to find what what in your packaging system would provide that, and you install that. So it shouldn't shouldn't be too hard. It's just a little bit of legwork. Okay, so we'll assume that it did bootstrap. And then uh, what I did, I went into slash USR, yeah, USR, slash pack, uh, package source, slash audio. And then I went into, I think it was flack to mp 3 Because I thought, you know what, that's one thing about lame that really bugs me, is that I can't just take a flack file and encode it to mp3. Because it always says, "Oh, I can't take FLAC. I have to. I have to process stuff from Wave. That's such a bother." So FLAC 2 MP3 seems like a useful application. So I uh, went into that directory, which is the. This is this is all very much like a port, a FreeBSD port workflow. And there may be a more package sourcey NetBSD way of doing this that I'm not aware of. It's hard for me to say, but that's that's kind of what i know so i do i i just cd into the directory that i want i'm there and then i do a make install and i would i would obviously want to do that as root and that starts building the application now interestingly this this went really really well until the very end and then it failed and that was quite disappointing um it turns out that when there are licenses involved, there's a little bit of manual intervention required. And so when LAME... It was the the LAME license failed, because I didn't accept whatever license it was. So LAME failed, and, and it gave me an error message saying, in order to continue, you have to accept this license. Now, it wasn't super... It wasn't that interactive. It wasn't like... Hey, there's a license here. It is yes or no, and then you can continue. It was just I failed. Do, do fix it by doing these things, and so there were two different methods that you could use to accept a license. One was that you could you could place a statement of acceptance, uh, acceptable license equals liblame or something like that, um, or plus plus equals. Lame dash license, something like that, uh, and you place that in your mk.conf file. So your your sort of make config, that's you place a statement in there saying yes, this is an acceptable license, we're good to go. And then when 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 installing lame, I I, I did that manually. I just sort of because in order to figure out how to do that, I I had to go kind of into lame and and figure out what it wanted from me for the license. So I just did a make install of lame uh, directly. And there was another way to do it, which I did not do. I just, I just added it to mk.conf. But I think th- there's another way of, of... I think you add it to, um, to the directory itself. You just put a hidden file in there saying that, it, that the license was acceptable. Something like that. Um, but once you do that, then you can do a make install it detects that, oh, that is an acceptable license, okay, we'll continue. That struck me as a little bit clunky, I thought that was a little bit odd. I mean, I I frankly, I really hate being surprised by surprise licenses or surprise choices. That is just one thing that I just absolutely can't stand, and I, I get it in FreeBSD, I get it in Debian and those are the two that come to mind and i just can't stand it and i'm sure there are other cases of this happening but those two they it just it just bugs me because i probably because those are the two places where just purely by chance i had started a job that was going to process you know 50 different packages and i walked away and then i came back a day later and discovered that it had stalled after the 12th install because it needed me to click, you know, say, yes, I accept that license, or whatever. It just drives me up the wall. So the fact that Package Source did that to me sort of, yeah, left me a little bit not excited about the process. But that being said, you've got 17,000 available packages here. You've got a, a really, really healthy port tree of stuff that you can install with just a make install. Will it work every time? I don't know. Um, like I say, I haven't I haven't sat down and, and used this in earnest for weeks at a time to see what, what would happen. You know, what would happen if I tried to make a Slacker media workstation with package source? I don't know. That would be that would be something that would be very interesting to try. And it's not something that I have yet tried. And I know that some of those some of those multimedia applications they can get a little bit squirrely in terms of adjustments. Little little adjustments here and there. Whether it's because the application needs updating or patching and someone hasn't, or whether it's just because there's some weird thing with the version of this library that just needs to be I mean, I guess that's the same thing, it needs to be patched, but I've I've seen I've seen Weird little adjustments that need to be ma- need to be made, and, and they're usually on niche little applications. That yeah, maybe you don't absolutely you you could survive without them. Um, and so it would be interesting to see yeah what package source would do with that w- with such a task. I mean that would be a really cool way to spend uh, probably a week. That would not be a weekend project. That would be a week project, and that is not something that I have the time to to mess around with right now. But it is kind of cool that it's sort of more or less possible. So this is the first time I've ever really tried an, an alternative packaging system on Slackware. I've never tried, for instance, Slapped get or anything like that. Never had any interest in that. But Package Source, because it does, it is just essentially... It is a ports system. It is, it's compiling from source, and I, I guess there must be some, some method in here on how you can install from a, a binary, you know, a binary, binary install. Possibly, uh, that would be, I guess, something to try as well. I mean, I don't know how that would work on Slackware because. It's not magic. Binaries don't just appear for your, your your system. So it must be it must be something um, that you you would have to have a binary stash lying around. Either way, it's an interesting system. I'm I'm somewhat intrigued. I am not sold on it because like I say, Slack builds is a pretty solid method. It is one of those things that with with SlackBuilds.org you're you're generally guaranteed, really, a, a successful install. You know, all those little weird patches have been done for you. Uh, lots of other people are installing that thing on Slackware. There's a lot of, I guess, uniformity there. You know, it's... Um, most people on slackbuilds.org, certainly the maintainers, are all running essentially the same Slackware system. You know, they, they've got an up-to-date, not not current, just, just an up-to-date system on the, uh, on the latest release, and they're compiling against that. And when they compile against other libraries that are outside of Slackware, they're compiling them against the Slack Builds libraries. So there's a lot of uniformity in slackbuilds.org, and that's really, really nice, and I think it works really, really well. So I, I don't really need package source by any means. The fact that package source exists, however, and could be bootstrapped within 15 minutes, and I was building applications that would run on my system in about 10 minutes. I mean that's just brilliant. That's really cool. That's the that's the best experience I've had so far with with something that that you know in theory is is quite complex and and should not be so easy i mean you can't do that i challenge you to do that with apt or yum or or zipper or any of the other systems out there it's just not going to it's not going to happen so yeah package source pretty cool you should you should try it out it's if 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 for no other reason just just to to be able to say that you've tried it out it it really is as simple as i have described it would be interesting also to look at Package Source for a local install. You know, like so instead of installing to slash usr slash package slash bin, install to home slash pkg slash bin or something like that. That'd be really cool to to try out. Now again, as I say, Package Source does maintain its own internal little database. That's the part. That's especially a part that I don't like a whole lot about it. But I mean, it's kind of a necessary evil. I mean, the the versions on package source are going to be different from the versions on slackware.com or slackbuilds.org. So you 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 really whether it's a separate database or not, it's 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 a separate set of packages that you're installing. So it's going to be it's going to be different. So on Slackware certainly, and and on, well, on anything else, you're going to you're probably going to need if you're going to be a serious package source user, you would need to kind of You'd need to come up with a way to differentiate between your package source stuff and your actual OS install. And if you don't do that, then you are, like I said earlier, you're kind of maintaining two different systems. And that can get a little bit wonky after a while. Again, 17,000 packages, though. That's a lot of build strips. So check it out, packagesource.org. I think that's all I got this this episode. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Of course, you can email me at clatu@member.fsf.org. at member.fsf.org. That's clatu@member.fsf, at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time.